you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. Good morning. Good to see you on the campus and those joining us online. Glad that you're here. Hey, grab your Bible. Uh, join me, John chapter 11. So either grab your Bible, turn on your Bible. Uh, we're going to be in John 11 this morning. We started a Bible study last week talking about unmet expectations. Uh, kind of this expectation gap between what you expected and what you experienced. And what happens is when those expectations and your experiences don't match up, there's frustration. So we gave you some tools last week. If you missed that message, you can get online and and look at how when somebody, right, that's in your life, at work, at home, and those expectations and the experience, there's a gap. There are some steps that you and I can take. God showed us last last weekend. Now this morning, uh, it's a little bit deeper and it might be even more painful for us. Because what do we do, right? It's, It's one thing to have an unmet expectation from a family member from a pastor, from a coach, a boss. What do you do when those expectations are between you and God? When you were expecting that you prayed, right? You were trusting God and, okay, God's going to do this for my family. God's going to do this in my marriage. He's going to do this in my health. And then God doesn't show up exactly how you thought he should. Now, here's some good news is that that's not just a you thing and that's just not a me thing. All throughout the Bible, there are stories like there's this guy named Adam, like he's the first man. And um, when the whole world kind of came unglued and he's hiding in the bushes because sin had come into the world and, and God comes and talks to him, God was dis- or Adam was disappointed with God. He was like, God, listen, this woman that you gave me, it was fine. I mean, and when it was just you and me, God, life was good. But then you gave me this woman, and she tempted me, and ah, oh, look at all these things that happened. Moses was disappointed, unmet expectations in, in the wilderness. A guy named Jonah, right? He, he, he was disappointed because he knew that God was going to be gracious to those Ninevites. So he goes fishing, literally became the bait uh, for that fishing expedition, right? I mean, and, and I could even say to you this morning, and this, you might have to think on this for a second, God didn't meet his own expectations once. God was actually disappointed with God exactly. Kind of way, 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 where's, where's that in the Bible? Genesis chapter 6 and 6. So the Lord was sorry that he'd ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. In another translation, the Lord regretted that he'd ever made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled before he brought the flood because mankind had gone in such an opposite direction of God. So how do you, how do we have hope in the dark? When things are dark in your life, when, when two plus two does not equal four, when you were hoping that God would show up, you were believing that God would, and he doesn't. Good news is he speaks to it. In John chapter 11, this might be a new story for some, If it's a familiar story, I hope that you'll look at it with some fresh eyes this morning. Look what God says beginning in verse number one. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. 
This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured out perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now that doesn't happen to chapter 12. So why did God tell us? Why did he have John write this in chapter 11? He wants us to see the connection because don't you know? It's not what you know, but it's who you know. Right? You've been trying to get in to see a certain doctor and you can't get an appointment and then you find out you've got a friend who knows that doctor and they're like, listen, let me give them a call for you. And all of a sudden you get in. Or you're trying to get a car at DeLuca Toyota and you got a friend who knows Frank personally because like they go to Gator games together and you pick up the phone and say, hey, would you talk to Frank for me so I can get just a little bit? It, it, it's, it's all about relationship. There's this tendency, right? When somebody knows you and you know them, there's an expectation that they're going to show up for you. Now notice the very next verse. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. I actually find that humorous, right? Like, doesn't Jesus love everybody? Lord, the one you, I mean, the one who you love a little bit more than everybody else, right? Remember, Jesus loves the little children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves all the children of the world, right? But there's this expectation. Hey, we, we tight. We're, 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 we're tight. We're together on this. When he, that's Jesus, heard this, he says, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Should have settled it, right? No one's worrying. There's no anxiety. There's no stress. God said it. That settles it. And I'm satisfied. Now, Jesus, verse 5, loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he went immediately and healed him. They had dinner on the grounds, sang some more songs, more people came to the church, and everybody was happy. That's not how it went. But that's how it's supposed to go, right? We, we kind of, you know, put the request out there to God, and we, we, you know, God, this is bad in our life. God, I'm hurting in this. And listen, like, we're close, like... I read your Bible, and I pray, and like I go to church, and like I even served in the middle school department once, and like, hey, 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 God, right, right, we're, we're close. You're supposed to show up and, and, and make my life better. Now, I won't trick you again. Notice what really happened in verse 6. So when he heard, that's Jesus, that Lazarus was sick, and here's the tension in the story. He stayed where he was two more times days he knew that Lazarus was sick supposedly Mary Martha and Lazarus are really important to him you would have thought right that he had stopped what he was doing and immediately gone and taken care of business but he doesn't the Bible says the very opposite of what we expect so he stayed there two more days. Verse 7, and then he says to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. <laughs> but Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews, they did not expect they would be going back to Judea. A short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you're going to go back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. 
If it's when a person walks in the night that they stumble, they have no light. And after he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus, he's just fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. That's not what they expected. I mean, why would we go risk our lives if he's just sleeping? Let the old boy sleep. He'll get better, right? When you're sick, you're supposed to stay home and rest. Let him just rest. It's not what they're expecting. Verse 12. Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And they're like, what do you mean believe? We've been following you, called us. Unmet expectations. Mary and Martha have them. The disciples have them. Look at Thomas, also known as Didymus. He says to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Great. He's okay with dying. We're all going to go back. We're all going to die. I mean, this whole story is met, filled with unmet expectations on his arrival verse 17 jesus found that lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days now bethany was less than two miles from jerusalem and many jews had come to martha and mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother and can't you just kind of see the scene right that like the crowd's there and they're looking around and like hey i don't see no jesus you see jesus can you kind of like social media posts Hashtag, where's Jesus? Hashtag, thought he cared. Hey, we're here. Selfie picture. There's the girls. They're crying. No Jesus, right? You, 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 can, just, you can just see all the sense of cynicism. Unmet expectations. When, I'm not, not, let me just affirm all of you. We don't wake up and say out loud that we're disappointed with God. But deep down, deep down maybe in a space that that you don't let anybody really see there's that moment in time when you thought that God was going to show up in your kids and protect them there was that time when you really believed that like that nothing bad would happen you would go to church and your your family they were Christians and then there was that Thanksgiving dinner and Uncle Joe came into your bedroom and you tried to tell your parents about it or that time that your boss said, if you want to advance. There, there, there was all those, there was those times where you really thought that God was going to, he was going to act on your behalf. That God loved you and he was for you. And, he's, and then he stayed two more days and Lazarus died. And it's deep down and you're wondering, can I really trust this God? Now you don't say it out loud. But you know the ways we say it is... is well, we, we don't spend a lot of time with them. I mean, think about this past week. When's the last time, really, that you binged on God? You binge on Netflix, right? It's nothing to binge on, on in my world, potato chips and ice cream and chocolate bar, right? We, we, we have time. When's the last time that, like, just all of a sudden, when's the last time you wore your battery out on your cell phone because you're just talking to God? I wonder if the reason that we don't I wonder if the reason that we, we hold so much of our time and our cash close to the vest is because we're like, if, if I trusted God with my finances, if I really gave generously, uh-oh, remember that time before when I asked God to show up and he didn't show up? Oh my goodness, I can't trust him that, that like I, he would show up. I mean, I need to keep everything 
I mean, th- this, this is where we all live. It's what keeps us from really leaning in and being all in and following after Jesus. That's exactly what's happening in this story. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Of course she did. Lord, Martha said, if you had been here, well, I'm telling you, if you had been here, maybe my first marriage would still be. If you had been here, perhaps my childhood would have been different and I wouldn't be caught up in this addiction that I'm caught in now. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know, I know, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Martha's caught between the past and the future. She's caught between, you know, what was and isn't no more. And the potential of what can be, but she's just stuck. I, I know, I know, I know, I, I know I'm going to see my loved one again. The Bible says that, but I never thought I'd be a widow at this stage in my life. I didn't think that my friend would die from the coronavirus. I, 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 she's caught in this land of in-between. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she says this, she goes back and gets her sister, Mary. The teacher's here, she says. He's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out and followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, and she says, and notice again the familiarity, Lord, if you had been here. In your own mind, what is that moment in your life? In your own in your own relationships your friendships, your own life. I, I, I've had that conversation. I can't even begin to tell you how many times in my own personal life in growing up, the son of Ed and Vi Cummins. If you, okay, God, if you really had cared about me, where, where were you when I was 10 and that moment happened? I talk braggadociously sometimes about joining the Marine Corps at the age of 17. I just knew I did not want to be at 22009 Jonathan Drive, Strongsville, Ohio, 44136, no more. I, I, I Trying to protect me. And I had heard about God. I had known about God. I mean, the whole Christmas and Easter thing. My parents supposedly were Christians, but you put all that together, there was a gap between the expectation of who God is and the experience that I was having. And it was just filled with frustration. And I'm, on, I'm, I'm going as far away from God as possible. So when Jesus, verse 33, says, saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Hey, where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And then the Jews <laughs> said, See how he loved him. 
<laughs> but notice some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? You see how snarky that is? I mean, this guy, he healed blind people. Supposedly, he loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Could not he have kept him from dying? And see, you thought the cancel culture was just a 2021 thing. It had been around for a long, long, long time. So I ask you a question this morning. In your life, how do you find hope in the darkness? Are you just trying to muscle your way through it? Are you just trying to pretend all those bad things really aren't that bad? you kind of stuffing them under the rug? Hey, 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 maybe the reason you keep tripping up because you really don't know. How, how do we? Mary Martha, how, how did you? I mean, you had sent the word out. Lazarus, brother, is sick. Jesus, you love him. All you got to do is come. You can do anything. You can heal him. So he stayed two days longer. Your timing's off, Jesus. I bet you're not late when we call you for dinner. I bet you're all on time for that one. Oh, but when I needed you, where were you? Let me give you some things that, at least in my own heart, I've, I've wrestled with. Number one is this, and, and, and I'll start with this. This might be the most troublesome thing that you hear this morning, but I think it might be the most honest thing that you hear this morning, is this. Following Jesus can be disappointing sometimes. Following Jesus can be disappointing sometimes. You get this idea that like a, you have this prayer moment. I remember I was in Okinawa, Japan. I was far from God. Didn't care much about it. Didn't, didn't feel bad about my lifestyle. I didn't know that they were uh, navigator missionaries. They were inviting me to the USO. I didn't have to eat in the chow hall. That's all I knew. I just wanted to have better food in the USO. And they began to unpack the Bible, not as a religion book, but as a relationship book. And I'm all about, I'm, we're all designed for relationships. I remember I made a decision for Jesus at Camp Foster, Okinawa, Japan. And uh, like, I remember writing a letter to my dad. Like, no pastor told me, no, no priest, no rabbi. It just felt so natural. I was now forgiven of my sins. Huh. I, I knew that I had sinned and to think that I'd been forgiven. So I, I just, I penned a letter to my dad. Hey, dad, uh, I began a relationship with Jesus. Looking forward to getting back to the States and, and um, uh, you know, I forgive you for the things that have happened and that's behind us now and, and just looking forward to building our relationship, right? And, and you expect the rest of the story to be Mark gets out of the Marine Corps, he comes back, Ed and Mark are the best of friends that all the addictions that my dad had, he's free from all that stuff and, and he's a part of my family and my two daughters know their grandfather because I trusted Jesus. I asked him to forgive me of my sins. And now I'm a Christ follower. So my entire world gets fit together in this beautiful present bow. Sometimes following Jesus is disappointing. I buried my dad in 2016. He never could get free of the addictions. My dad never really knew my daughters, and my daughters never really ever knew my dad. And at 55, in spite of all the things, you don't think there's some times when I'm all alone on a bike somewhere on a long run and wish 
that the man who is my earthly dad would have liked me and loved me? I'm telling you, following Jesus is disappointing sometimes. Following Jesus, sometimes he, he doesn't move at the pace that you want him. He doesn't fix all the things that you think that should be fixed in the world. I asked Linda a question in the first gathering, so it's not fair to ask it in the second gathering because she already knew the answer, but she failed the test in the first gathering. I had asked her if she knew what I was doing for a living when we, when we first started dating, and she must be thinking about one of her other boyfriends someplace. <laughs> um, but when I met Linda, I was a jewelry salesman, right? And you'd come in, and this, so it's the, it's the you know, late 80s, and you'd go in the malls when, like, the malls were still the kind of thing you went to the malls, and Amazon didn't exist. For some of you, that's really hard to understand. Amazon didn't always exist, right? And so you'd, right, you'd go into the jewelry store, and, man, you would look. You'd see those, those rings and those bracelets. It's like... They just danced. Brilliant. So, I mean, right? And, 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 I mean, they taught us. Literally, my job was to get you to say no to seven things because finally you'd be too tired of saying no to those seven things. I get you to say yes to the more expensive thing, right? I mean, there's a strategy to all this, right? And you would buy that fancy ring or that bracelet or that necklace or that watch, Right? Then you'd leave, and you'd look down, and you'd say, did something happen? That stone doesn't look as big at home as it did in the store. You understand, it's all about the lights. Millions of dollars shining those lights down on those rings, and you look at them, and you're like, oh, I got to have me some of that, right? It's a watch. It tells time like a $35 watch, but you wrote the check for $35,000 because it was sparkling and it was so nice and it had a certain name on it, right? And, and all the lights. You were convinced that you would get it and then when you took it home and you're... It, I sure hope that we're not the kind of church that brings people in and we kind of angle the lights just right and we get the music just right. And the pastor stands up and we got the right youth pastor and we got the right children's pastor and we make everything in here so shiny and so nice and it's like following Jesus and everything's going to be fine and it's going to be ponies and unicorns and, 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 and now we go out into our everyday life and you get out in the world and you're like, something happened, that ring doesn't look as brilliant. Something happened in my everyday marriage that's not so wonderful no more. I don't know where Jesus is where my kids are on Friday night at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, my, my boss, who keeps changing the quotas that I've got to meet, somewhere along the line, I, I hope we understand. Hey, hey, listen, let me tell you, following Jesus is incredibly satisfying, but it's not often in the way that you want it to be. Many of us want Jesus on our own terms. Many of us want Jesus to do exactly. Many of us want a magic rabbit's foot Jesus that we rub it and when we say what we want from him poof it happens exactly how we want it to be I'm just saying this morning if you and I are going to begin to find hope in the darkness we've got to change how we think somehow we think that that 
that following Jesus is going to be completely as we want it to be. We've even forgotten that, like Jesus, his own life, he disappointed everybody. Do you remember how he was born? People were disappointed. Like, really? You got born in a woman who's not married? She's a teenager from out in the Hicks. You don't think Mary? You don't think Joseph? Like, hello, I'm not marrying her. I'll be divorcing her. Thank you very much. How about where he was born? Really? In a, in a manger? I mean, in a, man, in a stable? Wait, wait. He's supposed to be the king of the Jews? He's supposed to overthrow the tyranny of the Roman government? How, how about the time that he was traveling with his family? They had gone up to Jerusalem, and they were coming back home, and they're kind of looking around and saying, where is Jesus? I don't know. I thought he was with you. I, Jesus not with you? Where, where, where is Jesus? And they got to go all the way back to Jerusalem. Unmet expectations. We expected Jesus we're your parents, you're, you're the child, you understand expectation. I'm the parent, you're the child. I said we're leaving, you're supposed to come now. And they find him in the temple. And he looks at them and says, what are you so shocked about? Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? You don't think mom and dad were a little bit disappointed? You don't think that was a little bit of an unmet expectation? How, how, how about Peter? You don't think Peter sometimes was disappointed with Jesus? I mean, he, Jesus did some things that Peter wasn't so happy about. Remember the time when, when Peter's mother-in-law, right? You got a mother-in-law? Anybody got a mother-in-law? You know what I'm talking about? Got a mother-in-law? There's, there's having a mother-in-law and there's gotten a mother-in-law, right? right? And, and so there was a time that Peter's mother-in-law, she got sick. Jesus comes to the mother-in-law's house and heals her. Peter's disappointed in Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> some theologians think that the reason that uh, Peter denied Jesus three times because we did with his mother-in-law right I, I'm just saying his entire life is marked by this this unmet expectation hey we're about to walk into Easter four weeks from today right you understand the whole Easter story is rooted in unmet expectations that day called Palm Sunday the most embarrassing day in Christianity because on that day, our expectations are that Jesus is coming into the town and he is going to obliterate all of these Romans. Our guy's here. We win. This is the guy I voted for. This is the guy who I want to be in charge. Yay, Jesus! Hosanna! Right? That was on Sunday. By Wednesday, you know what they're shouting? Crucify him. I'm telling you, the gap between expectations and experiences, frustrations. Sometimes following Jesus is disappointing. Let me give you a second thing. Is God's perspective is different than mine. Mary and Martha, they're looking at like, okay, our perspective is you love us, we love you, we're a big happy family with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you, right? Come on, Jesus, right? Come on, right? right do this for us. That's their perspective. Jesus should do this. He shouldn't let that happen in our country. He shouldn't let that be said. He shouldn't allow that to be canceled out. I mean, Dr. Seuss, how in the world? Mr. Potato Head, I can't believe all this craziness is happening in the world. My goodness, where are you, Jesus? his perspective and his priorities are different than ours 
You know, we get frustrated because, like, we, we don't get what we deserve. I, I, I deserve this. He owes me on this. Nobody in this gathering and nobody online wants what we deserve. It's not popular, but you understand. What we deserve is so horrific. The only way it could be satisfied, what we deserved, is it required the Son of God to be crucified to be falsely charged, to be tortured, to be humiliated and ridiculed. God himself, what we deserve. I don't want what we deserve. I'll tell you what I want. I want what Jesus came to give, his grace and his mercy. And I want seconds and I want thirds and I want fourths. I want to get addicted to his incredible grace and mercy. His perspective is different than ours. Mary Martha's perspective was, you're late. Great. What's the matter? You got some spotty cell coverage? I mean, really, I mean, I thought you loved us. I thought you were in us. I thought you are with us. I thought you are for us. I mean, couldn't you have healed? I mean, couldn't you have done this? I prayed. I did all these things. And they're caught between what was and what yet to come. Proverbs chapter 3, for me, is strength in my life when I don't always understand what's going on. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And here's the hard part. Lean not on your own understanding. That's what I like to do. I like to look at it and rational. I like to make two lists, positives and negatives, pros and cons. I like to phone a friend. I like to Google. I like to do all kinds of things in the world to lean on my own understanding. But if you want the promises of God, we've got to also follow God. And he says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, not your Sunday heart. Not your Christmas heart, not your Easter heart, but all of your heart. Not the right ventricle and not the left. He's saying all of you. Lean not on your own understanding, then the promise. When you submit all those ways to him, then the Bible says he will direct your paths and make them straight. I'm just saying, if we're going to find hope in the darkness, you've got to understand, sometimes... Sometimes it's, it's, it's disappointing in following Jesus. Got to understand our perspective, what we think, how we feel, what we want, it's different than his. You and I are caught in the confines of time and space. You can't do anything about it. You're caught in seconds, in minutes, in hours, in days, in weeks, in months, in years. You can only see what you can see. That's not true with God. God knew what was going to happen. In the moment, Mary and Martha didn't know. In the moment, you don't know what's going to happen, and you're convinced, you're overwhelmed that God has forgotten you. He hasn't. The way you have hope in the darkness is you understand his perspective is different. And here's a third thing, is understand that my perspective, your perspective, my expectations aren't built on something. It's built on someone. And his name is Jesus. That's altogether a different way of living. When you built your expectations on something that God's going to do for you, the moment it doesn't go the way that you want, you begin to doubt your God. But when you build it on the relationship that we have with Jesus, look at Philippians chapter 3 on the screen. I want to know Christ. That's a good question to ask yourself. Do you really? Do I want to know about him or do I want to know him personally? The answer to that question 
will dictate how you live your life. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. But that's, that's heavy. So somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I strain towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenly in Christ Jesus. If the time that you spend with Jesus is a reflection of your love for him, if the time that you spend with Jesus is a reflection of how much you know him, what does that say? Okay, let me just give you one more thing in our Bible study. Maybe this will encourage you the most. See, sometimes this this scene of your greatest disappointment. I, I thought I'd be married by now. I thought I'd have kids by now. I didn't think I would be divorced by now. I, I, I thought my children would have. I, I, I thought the country. I thought the pastor. I thought the community. I thought the economy. I thought the pandemic. Whatever that thing is, that's the scene of your greatest disappointment. What if, what if the scene of your greatest disappointment becomes the setting of God's greatest miracle in your life? I wonder how many of us have missed the incredible miracle of God because you're in this scene, you're disappointed, and you checked out. You just said, I'm out of here. I ain't got time for this. I'm gone. And how many of us are missing out on the greatest miracle God wants to do in our life because we have come to the conclusion, he forgot about me. He was late. All I know is my brother was sick. I called you. I've lived good. I've done all the right things. You didn't show up, and now my brother who was sick, is now dead. You could have healed him. You didn't. It's over. What if the scene of your greatest disappointment becomes the setting of God's greatest miracle in your life? Here, back to the Bible. John chapter 11, look at verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But, 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 but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, there's a bad odor. It's stinking. A lot of us know our lives is a bad odor. God didn't show up, but we've learned how to cover it up. We, we've learned how to put some deodorant on it. We've learned how to dress it up. But deep, 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 deep down, that's why we've got to keep reaching towards that thing. That's why you're so exhausted. When you, keep, when you keep trying to cover up the odor of what's dead in your life, I'm telling you, it's exhausting. You're trying to cover it up over and over and over, and you get frustrated and irritated and agitated. It's time for some of us to let God roll the stone away. And no matter how much it stinks, no matter how ugly, all the things that might be on the other side, the question is, do you want to keep living with all of that, that hurt and that pain and that sorrow, or will you trust God enough? Here's the problem, is because you think that, you think that God disappointed you. You think that there's unmet expectations, and you're like, listen, he was late, 
I've learned how to live with this stink. I've learned how to live with this order. I've learned how to live with this pain. I've learned how to live with this addiction. And now you know why there's no joy in your life. It's time to let God roll that stone away. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you? If you believe, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and he says to the Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and his feet are wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus says to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You can find hope in the dark. Your greatest disappointment can become God's greatest miracle in your life. I know following Jesus sometimes is disappointing. It doesn't always go exactly how you want. But we got to understand it's not our perspective. We're caught in time and space. He is not. He sees the rest of the story. So how do you find this hope in the dark? I just want to give you two things to practice individually, in your family, and in your small group this week. Number one is this, is you've got to, you've got to trust his timing. This is one of the hardest things you will ever do because his timing is not your timing. His ways are not your ways. His ways are greater than your ways. His timing is better than our timing. We've got to come to a place of trust, but we don't. We, waiting on God is so challenging, right? It's, 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 it's frustrating. We want God to do it now. Doesn't it make sense? Shouldn't you heal my son now? This, shouldn't you heal the marriage? I mean, shouldn't you show? I mean, look at that injustice. God, how much longer will you let that injustice go? It would make sense. Do it now, but we got to trust him. They didn't trust him in the story. Will you trust him in your story? The pain, the frustration, the anxiety, the irritation, the frustration. If you're a Christ follower, I know what they did. I know what they said. But the reason you have those feelings has nothing to do with what they said or what they did. It's because you don't understand how God let them do that. Or how you, how you perceive God's let them get away with that. It's time to trust him. And let me give you a second thing if you'd let me. Is you've got to get in on what God is doing. If you want to find hope in the dark. For many of us, the real problem right now is you're sitting on the sidelines. You believe about God, but you're not really in the game. You're in the stands, but you're not in the game. You're not in the game. You're not actively a part of what he's doing. So that's why you're kind of confused. I don't know if he's doing anything. I can't really see what he's doing. You've got to get in on what he's doing. I find it absolutely breathtaking that the God, Jesus, who says to Lazarus, come forward. Lazarus is dead. He's now alive. Couldn't he have simply said, and grave clothes disappear? The old boy was dead. He did the miracle of new life. Couldn't he have said, hey, right at the end, I read it for you. Them great, he, was, he had all these linens around him. Couldn't he have said, okay, linens fall off. Linens dissolve. But it didn't. Remember what he said? He said to the people, go and take those linens off of him. 
He wanted the people to have skin in the game. He wanted people to get in on what God was doing. When you walked up into the tomb and you're touching the guy who was dead and now alive, when you're peeling off the grave clothes that once you know, encapsulated this man, you're changed forever. Nobody can unconvince you that there's not hope in the dark. Earlier, and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to actually put some skin in the game. You heard earlier about the Royal Family Kid Camp and the, that's for the elementary boys and girls and then the, the boys and the girls, the middle school and high school uh, camp. That we, these are for foster care kids. You, you, think, you think there's some unmet expectations with those kids? How their family blew up? How they don't even know where they're gonna be, right? And, and so I, I get it, right? We're, we're a church, right? And as a church from day one, we've been about partnering with people to discover in Christ we have hope. Ocala doesn't need another church where you come and sit your blessed assurance on a Sunday morning and then go on with your week. We are here to get in the game, to get in on what God is doing. But here's, here's the struggle for all of us, right? Sometimes we have a real good way of saying, well, I can't do that. I, I can't go up in that tomb and take those linen clothes off I mean, I've got other responsibilities. I, I can't take off work. I mean, I've got bills to pay and I've got other things. Right? I, I can't do all that. So here, I want to help you. So as a church, if God's called you to be at the Royal Family Kids Camp, to be with, the, be with those foster kids during the elementary week or to get involved in the middle school and the high school weeks, here's what we'll do. You reach out, we'll connect. We'll come alongside of you. We'll pay your salary that week. So there, right there. That excuse is taken off. I, 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 I can't go work with them foster care kids because, you know, I got to work and I'm, I might not make, 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 make enough money to pay my bills. I'm just telling you, I want to do anything and I, I'll do anything short of sin to get you, to get me, to get us in the game what God's doing. When you get in that tomb and you're a part of the miracle that God's doing, I'm telling you, nobody, nobody can take away your joy. Nobody can get you to a point like, I don't know what's going on. I'm so confused. I'm so upset. Look what's happening to Mr. Potato Head. Those kind of things don't matter no more because you've got the power and the presence and the promises of Almighty God guiding you and directing you each and every day. But hear me, if you stay stuck this morning, because in your mind, God didn't meet your expectations someplace. If you're still stuck on this side of the story, well, God, if you had been here, let me tell you, there's a reason why you're the most miserable human being on the face of the earth. Because that's a terrible place to be stuck at. To believe that there's a God who created the universe, to believe that there's a God who sent his one son to be born of a virgin, to believe that Jesus is God, that he was sinless, to come on Easter and to believe that Jesus is alive, yet to be stuck in your own mind because God didn't show up somewhere in your past, no wonder you're miserable. Because those two realities will absolutely cause you to go crazy. It's time to embrace that your greatest disappointment is the fertile soil of God doing his miracle, his greatest miracle in your life. In a moment, we're gonna pray. In a moment, we'll say break and we'll go on with our day. Let me say this. If you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, today's your day. 
Today, today is your day because not one of us is good enough, fast enough, smart enough. Nobody can fix their sins. That's why Jesus came. And if you've never begun that relationship with Jesus, right where you're sitting, watching online, would you have this conversation? Hey, God, it's me. I'm asking you to forgive me. I can't fix my sin. I, being a good southerner doesn't fix my sin. Going to church doesn't fix my sin. Jesus, you died on that cross because I've sinned. And I'm inviting you into my life to take control. I believe that you became alive again and I give you 100% control of my life. And if you've begun that relationship today, I'm gonna ask you to take a step. Would you text the word today to 63566? Today to 63566. And we'll reach back out and help you grow in following Christ. Your best next step is baptism. Love to set you up of how you can let the whole world know that you're a follower and believer in Jesus. You can use the card that are all the different chairs. You can let us know that you made a decision for Jesus. You can let us know that you want to become a, 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 you know, baptized. You can send the word baptism to 63566. And then the other step is today. Many of you are already signed up for Growth Track, but we've got space, social, socially distance. Growth Track is setting you up how to live. It's taking all the bright, shiny lights out of the, of the room and setting you in a space where the Holy Spirit and God's Word will move you from knowing about God to knowing God personally and how to do that. How to experience the ultimate freedoms that are only found in Jesus Christ. To know that you're not an accident, that God created you on purpose and for a purpose. That you can go make a difference. And today you can go. It'll be in the student center. Just go over to that space. And when we pray in just a moment, they'll get you in there, get you signed up, get you the book. And I think it'll be a great growth point in your life. Hey, if you've, if you've attended in the past, my hunch is it's time for a refresher course. It's been one year, believe it or not, one year since we taught Growth Track. It was one year ago next week uh, that we actually stopped meeting in person. And uh, it's time for a refresher for, for many of us. God, I love you. Man, have you stretched us today. Your word is so powerful. It is so true. And we have been struggling, God, with the moments in our lives where we wondered, why didn't you heal us? Why would you let us keep going through this? Why did you let our marriage? God, if you would have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And Holy Spirit, you have showed up today. And you've reminded us that there are disappointing moments, but it doesn't mean that you're not at work. Your perspective and your priorities are different. You've shown us that the greatest miracle that you want to do in all of our lives is in this space where we have wondered where you are. You are the God that still causes what's dead to come alive again. And I ask that you would allow your spirit to fall in each man and each woman. And that, God, we would trust you in ways that the only explanation is it's your spirit that gives us the strength. I ask God that we would live our lives this week where we get in on what you're doing. There are people around us that you're bringing back to life that need the grave clothes taken off of them. 
Use us at work. Use us at school. Use us in our neighborhoods. Use us where we go to work out. Use us at the restaurant. Use us in our everyday, ordinary lives to take off the grave clothes so men and women will discover that the hope that they're looking for is found in Jesus. I sure do love you. We pray everything in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Peace.